week on Political Research Digest, Why Americans Implicitly Trust Government But Say We Don't. For the Niskanen Center, I'm Matt Grossman. Trust in government is low and declining after another polarized election and polarized administration. We're frustrated, even angry. But maybe we still hold some underlying pride in our government. A new study finds that anger decreases trust, whether it's directed toward the candidates or at life in general. I talked to Stephen Webster of Emory University, author of Anger and Declining Trust in Government in the American Electorate, published in Political Behavior, about his work on emotions and distrust. But is there some remaining trust lurking under the surface? I talked to Stephen Nicholson of the University of California, Merced, about new evidence on implicit trust. His new study, co-authored with Chinita Intawan in the Journal of Politics, is called My Trust in Government is Implicit, Automatic Trust in Government and System Support. It finds that although explicit trust is necessary for supporting particular policies, implicit trust can help with broader system-level support and when the country is faced with crisis. Scholars often see trust in government as, in large part, a product of partisan politics. But Stephen Webster says it's also about anger. Conventional wisdom is that trust in government is really shaped by partisanship. So if I'm a Republican, I'm going to have low trust in government when Democrats are in control and vice versa. And my study doesn't refute that. I mean, I find that partisanship still plays a large role. Um, but anger plays a pretty large role as well, even when controlling certain individuals' partisanship. And these effects are almost on par with one another. And anger has been rising over time. There's plenty of angry people in both the Democratic and Republican parties. And so really what matters is how politicians can sort of shift people around their mean levels of anger. And I think anger is increasing uh, specifically because the contemporary era is so polarized um, that it creates incentives for politicians to invoke anger and fear towards the opposing party. So I think anger is certainly um, increasingly used as a campaign tool. Trust is also declining, and the trends may go hand in hand. Government has been declining a long time, and that's sort of one of the paradoxes that a lot of people have pointed to is that people tend to trust in like their own member of Congress, but not Congress in general. So I don't really show anything different than that. I mean, you can look at trends from Pew or Gallup or any polling organization, and you see that trust has declined precipitously over the past 50 years. And so I don't think I'm necessarily differing from anybody. What I'm showing is that there's this other factor that's previously been overlooked. And I think this this factor, anger, is so important now because the contemporary political environment is characterized by anger and negativity. Webster sees trust intertwined with other attitudes toward government. I think they're very tightly wound up in one another. Um, It's hard to know, does trust affect efficacy or is it the other way around? It's sort of the classic chicken and egg problem, so to speak. And so I am not, you know, willing to really take a hard stand on what's efficacy and what's trust because I think they're largely tapping into some sort of latent structure that is similar. Um, And so what I did in the paper is I looked at various measures of trust or efficacy, if you want to call it that. So I look at whether people believe the government is crooked, whether the government cares about ordinary people, whether ordinary people have a say in government. And then when I do my experimental study, I look at whether people believe the government is responsive to the concerns and interests of ordinary people. So I really tried to sort of triangulate and hit all different angles of this measure of trust in government. He measured anger toward the candidates in surveys, but also did an experiment stimulating anger. The first measure I use for this sort of targeted form of political anger is the frequency with which individuals feel angry at the opposing party's candidates. When I moved to this more um, broader notion of anger, this generalized or apolitical anger, I look at the frequency of anger at either party's candidates. And so I'm not, you know, 
convinced that these are perfect measures by any means. Generally, what we have to make do is. So that's why I really think the most convincing part of this study is the experimental part, where I can actually exogenously vary people's level of anger. In the experiment, Webster had some citizens make themselves angry. I asked people to write about various things. Some people were asked to write about the time they were angry about politics. Some people were asked to write about the time they were angry. And some people were asked to write about the time they thought about politics. And the reason that I split these groups apart is because I wanted to separate the emotions, so anger, from the target, politics. And so what I found is that anger that is specifically about politics does reduce trust in government. People tended to use more angry words, more sort of negatively valenced emotional words. Um, but this was also true for people who just wrote about apolitical things. And so I think really anger in general, not necessarily politically motivated anger, is what's driving this here. Both types of angers made trust in government decline. Anger can actually have a profound impact on altering trust in government. And specifically what I found is that when people are angry, they tend to exhibit lower levels of trust in the national government. Webster says professionals are learning from the research, but not to our benefit. They're learning the lessons, but those lessons aren't good for democracy at large. Here in Georgia recently, we just had this special election between John Ossoff and Karen Handel. And the advertisements on TV here were so negative. You know, John Ossoff was tied to, you know, liberal San Francisco values and Nancy Pelosi. And every ad you saw was trying to evoke anger. And I think political professionals know that anger works because the current era is one where we don't really need to motivate people in order to vote for a candidate. We need to make them angry and fearful towards the opposing candidate. And this fear and anger is what makes a loyal voter. So I think political professionals and politicians are, are learning from political science, but they're uh, learning things that aren't necessarily good to society as a whole. And he sees the negative consequences for political legitimacy continuing. Without trust in government, it's hard to imagine people seeing um, the representatives and the laws that we pass as legitimate. You sort of unfortunately see some of this now uh, with the current administration. You know, you see people on the political left saying Trump is you know, not a legitimate president because he maybe colluded with Russia. And so I think to some degree, we're already sort of seeing our political um, opponents as not legitimate. And so I think that has uh, problems for sort of, you know, democratic governance and representation. People do behave as if they trust the government. My concern is that this anger will continue to grow so much that we really will start to see some serious consequences. Yet Stephen Nicholson's research says citizens may still have some underlying trust. People possess this deep-seated, gut-level trust in government, and that this is a meaningful or consequential attitude. Um, it affects why people have this kind of overall support for the political system, as well as those instances where there are times of danger uh, in the United States, um, so like a natural crisis or an international attack. We think that implicit trust is a meaningful attitude that's elicited during those periods of time. His work with Chinita Intiwan does not challenge the importance of the conventional measure of trust or its fall, but he sees hope in their new measure. There's a great deal of consensus about trust in government, and that is that it is very low. Both academics, media, pollsters, uh, are all in agreement that, you know, regardless of the type of question that's asked, Americans express very low trust in government. In fact, oftentimes, you know, you'll see only about like 20% of the American public expressing some sort of trust in government, meaning, you know, 80% are distrustful. And we asked the same sort of questions in our survey, and 
they didn't differ from what's come before. So we don't dispute these previous studies. Uh, we don't challenge this idea that people aren't distrustful of government. Uh, what we do challenge is that this is really the only way of thinking about it and the only way of measuring it. So we proposed, like I mentioned, that the public might possess this kind of deep-seated gut-level trust in government and that this uh, implicit trust might run contrary to what people are openly saying when they're asked in opinion surveys about whether they trust government. They believe that children learn to implicitly trust government. Go back to the childhood socialization literature and it wasn't about specific reference, you know, other than maybe George Washington <laughs> and Abraham Lincoln. But, you know, it's about the overall political system and orientations toward it um, and, and those very kind of early idealized depictions of the political system. So we thought it would matter in, 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 that, era, in that way. Their new measure uses games like those used to measure implicit racism. What we did essentially was a rapid categorization sorting task. And the idea is that, you know, you're given a referent, which is government, and then you're given different attributes that could be relevant to government. And one was trust and one was distrust. So we had uh, a list of words that were synonymous with trust and a list of words that were synonymous with distrust. And in the categorization task, you know, they were at one point asked to pair the trustful words with government. And then in another round, they were asked to pair the distrustful words with government. And we randomly, you know, assigned whether they got one or the other task first. We found that that really didn't make a difference. And we found that most people were more likely to quickly associate trustful words with government than they were distrustful words. And because this uh, task happens so quickly and, and these responses are spontaneous, it's like playing a video game where you're not giving it much thought, you know, you're just responding in the minute or, or I should say in the split second. <laughs> so uh, the idea is that, you know, we're, we're capturing something that's pre-conscious, that people aren't even really necessarily able to articulate. They found that the two types of trust were unrelated and the old measures still matter for lots of attitudes like government spending but they found implicit trust mattered more for system support. We uh, you know, also in the study included measures of explicit trust, you know, the trust that people provide in surveys. And we found that it was relevant to all of the different types of dependent variables we're looking at. You know, it was relevant to system support. It was relevant to government spending. It was relevant uh, to crisis support in government. So, so it was a pretty consistent predictor across the board. Where we did find differences in terms of whether the implicit or explicit measure mattered was in this area of government spending. And we had come to that thinking that it would likely not, the implicit measure likely would not have an effect there. They also found implicit trust was more important when trust was asked about in the context of a crisis. Question more or less just asked them to imagine uh, a crisis situation. And, you know, this is obviously a limitation, you know, because it's nothing like being in the real thing. Nevertheless, you know, we found that the explicit responses uh, even exhibited higher support. Um, so, you know, when we just look at the responses, they're higher than kind of the normal trust in government questions. So, you know, we do think that the questions did pull from people a little bit like this kind of crisis mindset 
Um, and we saw, you know, like I said, a, a more trustful response to those items than we did your standard trust in government items. And then we found our implicit measure, as mentioned, you know, was a significant predictor um, of trust or explicit trust in government during crisis events. Nicholson says the new measure is also independent of partisanship. Contrast to explicit trust, which can vary quite a bit depending on which party controls the White House. When the Republican Party, you know, is controlling the White House, Democrats are less trustful of government. And when the Democrats are in control of the White House, Republicans are less trustful. So explicit trust in government, you know, very much does vary depending on, you know, which party is, is in power. Implicit measure uh, did not vary by partisanship. You know, we looked at differences between Democrats and Republicans on implicit trust. There were no significant differences. We looked at differences between liberals and conservatives. There were no significant differences. The findings left him a bit optimistic. I think our findings would be comfort to you know, policymakers and political officials insofar as low trust in government does not necessarily mean that support for the political system is eroding. Um, you know, again, it means that the specific reference, the people who are holding political office or the you know, types of government programs, they may be held in low disregard. But Webster's not holding his breath for improvement. He sees incentives for politicians to increase anger and distrust. The way that politics is going, increasingly viewed as a zero-sum game, and so my win is your loss and vice versa. And people are increasingly trying to provoke anger because in terms of sort of electoral strategy, we know that an angry voter is a loyal voter. And so there's incentives to create and stoke anger. And as my results show here, this has this broader sort of institutional result here. And so I'm not optimistic about trust in government increasing. I think if the trends that we see now continue, I think trust in government is likely to get even lower. And so I think, you know, future research should really try to look at the ways we can reverse the unfortunate consequences of this rising anger. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm quite pessimistic about it. He says the next two elections are likely to bring even lower trust. I think 2018 will be a very angry election. Uh, and I think 2020 is going to be going to be even worse. I think 2020 will be an election that you could tune out as best as you can. I think you'd probably be doing pretty well for yourself. It's going to be pretty nasty. And Nicholson agrees that we may see further declines in explicit trust. Trust in government is just declining more and more. And, you know, aside from the strongest supporters of the president, which might have slightly higher trust in government than, than his detractors, that doesn't look to be improving any right now. You know, again, if there was some sort of crisis in the United States, we could see a temporary, you know, return to higher trust levels, but none of us would wish that, of course. So where do we go from here? Webster is looking at which information sources matter most for distrust. Trust go down more when we're made angry by a co-partisan or an opposing partisan. Um, what is the role of the media in doing this? Um, so I think those are really promising areas to look for in future research. And then, of course, you know, the, the big normative question is, to the extent that this declining trust in government is bad for democratic performance, is there anything we can do to reverse this decline in trust? I think sort of finding ways to um, sort of mitigate the sort of unfortunate effects of anger is something that we'd be very well served to study in the future. Nicholson wants to compare distrust in the U.S. and China. We're going to be planning a survey to, uh, I think, examine trust in government in China 
see how that varies or how that, I should say, differs from, you know, a, a democracy like the United States. And there's other questions, you know, that can be, you know, asked in looking at the authoritarian regime compared to democracy, of course. In the United States, I would love to see other people do research on implicit trust in government and replicate our study. And, and Webster wants to find out the relationships between our broad personality traits and our momentary emotions. The thing that I find most interesting is looking at the intersection between personality and emotion. Right, so I was sort of alluding to this earlier, but if personality is some sort of stable dimension of how people just behave, right? I am an angry person or I'm a relatively calm person. That doesn't mean that I can't experience temporary deviations from that state. But even very calm people are made angry sometimes. Imagine somebody runs into the back of your car when you're out driving. It's going to make you angry. So I think looking at how anger interacts with personality is a really interesting way to push forward both the literature on emotion in politics and personality in politics. There's a lot more to learn. Political Research Digest is available bi-weekly from the Niskanen Center and on iTunes. I'm your host, Matt Grossman. Thanks to Stephen Webster and Stephen Nicholson for joining me. Join us next time to find out whether Americans are becoming tribal with identity politics trumping all. 